You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Good morning. It's good to be with you on this Baptism of the Lord Sunday. It's a, it's a Sunday where we set aside to remember Jesus' baptism, but also to remember ours and to be thankful for our connection in the church through Christ. Our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of Luke, the third chapter, beginning with verse 15. It'll be on screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now, when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Water has a particular sound, doesn't it? I I didn't have to tell you that that is water, right? I'm also uh, quite good at sound effects because I didn't have many friends in middle school. So you have to have some way of entertaining yourself. Water has a particular sound to it. On, on, most, on most accounts, water is soothing, right? You know, there, there's not a, a sleep app on the planet that doesn't have like a water setting, whether it's like rain or like ocean waves. You know, this kind of, water, water has this almost like primordial soothing. Well, water can also be nagging, right? Drip, 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 drip. It is at our house. We have a, a leaky faucet in the master bathroom. Uh, it's on the to-do list, but it's drip, drip, drip. Maybe we should have started with that because <laughs> it's kind of this constant reminder uh, uh, that we have a to-do list of, of things around the house. Water, water marks beginnings, doesn't it? In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and God's face uh, hovered over the, the, the darkness of the deep and God's spirit hovered over the water. Water was already there. Water was already present in the very beginning. When God's people were leaving slavery, leaving bondage in Egypt, they had to walk through the Sea of Reeds or the Red Sea. They had to walk through. The waters had to be parted and that started this beginning journey into the wilderness of learning how to be God's people, learning how to live by the law and the will of God. But then when they got to the promised land, they had to cross over the Jordan, right? Water was this boundary marker. 
they had to cross through the rivers of the, of the, of, of the Jordan in order to start their life in the promised land. Water is a marker of beginning. Water also marks time. Water has a unique sound and it also marks time. This is, what, this is what happens. This is what this story is about. This story with Jesus' baptism is a story that marks time because it is our connection with Jesus. It begins our relationship with the church, baptism does, but it is also about the sound of water, or at least how water offers its own sound. Jesus is baptized in the, in the waters of the River Jordan, and he hears this voice from heaven. The water is accompanied with a particular sound. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. We hear this voice. But it's not quite the voice that John the Baptist expected it to be. I love this. And the story begins with this is all the people were questioning whether or not John the Baptist was the Messiah. We've talked about this in Disciple Bible Study. We're going to talk about it tonight in Disciple Bible Study. And I hope that when Disciple Bible Study starts again, uh, that you jump on the train because it's just a great time together to, to read the Word of God together. But the people were questioning, is John the Messiah or is it that Jesus is the Messiah? And I love these kinds of questions. Church, church is not so much about having all of the answers as it is about learning how to ask better questions. If you leave today, if you leave the camp of Asbury today thinking you have all of the answers, that's called pride. Not even Jesus had all of the answers. And I'm just reading the Bible, friends. Jesus, when he was 12 years old, uh, his family went to, to the temple and then they left and they forgot that Jesus was, it was like they were at Disney World and they lost a kid. They, they left Jesus three days journey and they came back and they're like, oh no. And they go and find Jesus and Jesus was in the temple. He goes, did you not know that I was in my father's house? Is that snark, Jesus? Is that a little, is that 12 year old snark? Did you not know that it was in my father's house? That's where I was, you know. And I love it. The scripture says that after that, he obeyed them. Yeah, I bet so. I bet he did, right? But as, as they're leaving, Scripture says that Jesus grew in wisdom. And the only reason you grow in wisdom is if you don't know everything yet, right? Even Jesus learned. It's amazing. At the end of Jesus' ministry, the disciples were sitting with Jesus, and they said, Jesus, when is the story going to be finished? When is going to God wrap up the story? When is the end of the world? And Jesus says, I don't know. Only God knows. There are things that even Jesus... So if you think you've got everything figured out, just understand that not even Jesus had all of the answers. Right? Being a part of a community of faith is not so much of having all of the answers, but it's learning how to ask better questions. For example, when Isabel was younger, she asked me one day, Dad, why is yellow a silly color? You can't have all the answers because not all the questions have answers. There's no answer to that. Why is yellow a silly color? There is no answer to that. But we can learn how to ask better questions. Why does yellow make you feel silly? Like that's a better, and it's because I think her, wasn't her um, nursery bee themed? 
Was that Isabel? Yeah, it was B-themed. So she had yellow in her nursery and, and, and green in her So maybe this, this color of yellow made her feel safe and fun and, and full of frivolity. And maybe it was the sunshine. Because she's always been a really sunny kind of, kind of child. Maybe it's the bees in, in, in the nursery. Why does yellow make me feel? That's a better question. Because yellow isn't a silly color. But to her, it brings great joy. We don't have all of the answers. I'd love to like put them on a list and like hand them out to you, like right by the offering basket. So you would pay for like all the answers. Like here it is, bring your checkbook. I have all of the answers today, but we don't, we don't have all the answers, especially today in today's world. We're talking about the the leaders, right? Leaders who were here in 2019, they started their tenure, right? And the world looked very different when they said, yes, I want to be a part of finance team. And then three years later, they're rotating off and we're like, oh my gosh, how different the world is under their leadership. It's, it's, it's fascinating and, and, and fantastic. We don't have all the answers, right? So we're moving into this new era, this new way of being, right? So for example, we have, if we think about people, like over the last like 150 years, right? We have, we have industrial age, we have information age, and now we're moving into what's called the augmented age. As an example of what this means, Think of church registration, right? Industrial age is sign the pew pad or sign the card, right? Everyone has to be in the same place at the same time and with a pin. If you don't have a pin, like, you're right? You need a pin, you need a piece of paper, you need to sign something. Information age, we just, Asbury just took a jump into the information age with the QR code. Right now, you can use. You don't need a pen. You don't need a piece of paper. You can, with your thumb, register your attendance. That's called the information age. You take your phone out. You take a picture of it. Boom! It's all there. Augmented age looks something like us having a geofence around the campus, and as soon as you walk on campus, you're automatically checked in. The phone knows you're here. Right? The system knows you're here. You don't even have to take your phone out. That's augmented age. And we just, like in the last five weeks, jumped into the information age in terms of some of these things. We don't have all of the answers. Think about giving. Giving is another example of industrial information and augmented. Industrial age is you pass an offering plate and you put something in it, right? And then someone gathers it up and brings it to the safe. Information age is you use the QR code and you can give with your thumbs, right? You, you, do, you could do online giving or you could do auto draft. Like that's information Augmented age looks something like, can the church accept the interest on my Bitcoin for the youth mission trip? Right? That's augmented age stuff. By the way, I do think the United Methodist Church should have its own digital currency, own missional. For example, we have a sister church in Cuba. We have a sister church in Cuba, in Faya, Cuba. Pastor Yoandre needs a bicycle. But right now I can't Western Union him 200 bucks. But if there's a digital currency that he had access to, now we're talking. I think the United Methodist Church needs a global digital currency called the circuit because it connects us with our history of circuit writing, and it's also a really cool, hip tech name, right? It writes itself. I mean, the marketing writes itself, right? So, so if you know a thing or two about digital currency, talk to me after worship because I want to change the world with you. This is going to be huge. It's going to be big. But we don't have all the answers. We are literally building a dance floor as we're dancing on it in the world. 
in this augmented age? What does it mean? It is our job in the church not to have all the answers, but to ask better questions. What are the ethics of digital currency? What is the ethics of this augmented age? What is our role in asking those kinds of questions? But John does, John the Baptist, John does give them an answer to their question, are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Is Jesus the Messiah? Who is it that we should be following? He does give them an answer and he says this, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I is coming and I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then John, like, John gets going. He goes, and his winnowing fork is in his hand and he's going to clear the threshing floor and gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he's going to burn with an unquenchable fire. And you can't blame him. When you get to the end of the Old Testament, the last thing you read is, is, is the prophet Malachi. And this is what the prophet Malachi says about the coming Messiah. Malachi says, surely the day is coming and it will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and evildoers will stubble. And that day is coming, it will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. You will trample down the wicked. There will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things. I will send the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their father, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And then we turn the page to the Gospel of Matthew. So you can't blame John the Baptist for saying, here it is, here it is, baby. The one that's coming after me, he's going to baptize you with fire. And the axe is laid at the foot of the tree. It's ready to go. Being primed with Malachi, we might, we might expect that, that when Jesus comes onto the scene, the, the heavens will rip open and there'll be lightning bolts and like fire balls from his eyes and he's ready to go. And <clears throat> Jesus comes up from the water and what do we get? We get the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. That's unexpected. Like the Bible study, we just read Malachi. <laughs> descending like a dove, like a symbol of peace? That's unexpected. It should have been an eagle, right? An eagle is a symbol of power. An eagle was the symbol of Rome. Rome's mask was an eagle, a, a, a symbol of power and authority and, and, and being a world superpower, their own currency, should have been an eagle. But an eagle doesn't make sense with Jesus' ministry. An eagle didn't, speaking of not making sense, Disney, I love Disney, I'm glad you're all sitting down for this, but I love Disney. They don't always get it right. The, the, the barbecue restaurant at the American Pavilion in Epcot is called the Regal Eagle. Now, that's easy to market. I understand the internal rhyme scheme. They even have Sam the Eagle as the mascot of it, which is great. Anytime you can add a Muppet to anything, I think it's a good day. But it's called the Regal Eagle, which misses the point. The whole American Revolution was so that we didn't have any Regal Eagles, that we didn't have any royalty. They, they missed the mark, man. It would have missed the mark if there was an eagle that descended when Jesus was baptized. No, when the heavens opened up, the Holy Spirit was embodied as a dove, a symbol of peace and a symbol of promise. Jesus was surprising when he came onto the scene. 
So surprising, in fact, that later in John the Baptist's life, he was arrested because he spoke truth to power, and Herod was about to chop his head off, and he was in prison. So when John knew that his days were waning, because I mean, John baptized Jesus, they were ready to take it, man. The axe is laid at the foot of the tree, and God is going to be in charge, and, and now I'm in jail, about to lose my life. What's going on? So John sends his own disciples to Jesus, and John wants them to ask Jesus, are you the one? Are you the one, or should we look for another? The last word we get from John the Baptist is a word of doubt. Are you the one? This is John. So what does Jesus say in reply to that? Jesus didn't say yes. I mean, Jesus rarely says yes or no. He always gives like, you know, he answers a question with a question. Jesus said, well, then you tell, I'll answer it this way. You tell John what you see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are healed, or, which is another way of saying the outcasts are welcomed. The dead are raised and the poor receive the good news. You tell John what you see. In other words, if you want to know if Jesus is a part of your ministry, then the people's eyes will be opened to truth. Poor will be given good news, finally. Outcasts will be welcomed. You know, this time of year, uh, all of our Methodist churches, we do a thing called audit. Well, no, well, they've changed the name because audit was too, like, oppressive. They call it statistical review now. The annual statistical review, which doesn't make me feel any better. I still vomit and, you know, on myself. I'm not a numbers person. I'm shocking. Well, you're all sitting down for that. I, I'm a pastor. I round up, you know. How many people in worship today? I don't know, 700, right? I round up. Statistical review happens every year. And we have metrics, right? We have to answer questions like how many have been baptized? How many professions of faith? How many small groups do you have? What are your assets? Like how much does the van cost? Which by the way, our catalytic converters keep getting stolen from our vans. And if you have any like super duper way of that not happening anymore, like it's really exhausting. Anyway, you have to keep a record of all of this thing. And maybe I'll be brave enough in my last year of Asbury, 27 years from now or whenever, the Lord decides to call me somewhere else. I'm going to answer our statistical review with, with one statement. The blind see, the lame walk, outcasts are welcome, the dead are raised, and the poor are given good news. But here's the thing. If we're not seeing those things happen, then Jesus ain't here. Jesus is surprising. I experienced this in real time this morning. I don't know if you're aware, we have a worship design team that, that orchestrates like, I mean, look at the altar table. It's beautiful, right? We used to have banners in the back for Christmas, right? This whole, the sanctuary was transformed by our worship design team. Our worship design team, I'm going to move from the, they surprised me today. I got ready for communion down here. And I almost like jumped back because they left the baby Jesus from Christmas Eve down here. And like really, I almost like, I almost like threw up because I didn't know quite what it was. 
Um, and he's going like, yeah, maybe Jesus was still here. Uh, and, and, and the lesson is this. The lesson is, is, the lesson is this. I hope, whether by hook or crook, this week we are all surprised by Jesus, by the presence of Jesus, of where you have found Jesus. Right? Jesus comes up from the water, and it's not an eagle, it's a dove, it's a symbol of peace, it's a symbol of promise. And Jesus says things like love and grace and peace to the point where, G- where John the Baptist said, you're not nearly as mad as I thought you were supposed to be. Jesus is surprising and disturbing. It reminds us of our own baptism. In baptism in the United Methodist Church, it is all about what God has done, what God is doing, and what God promises to do tomorrow. What has God done? God has created you. And what I mean by that is, in the history of forever, there's never been another you. How unique, how mind-blowingly unique are you? There has never been and never will be another you. What are you going to do with your one radical, precious, unique life? What has God done in the past? Lots and lots and lots of years to get you to where you are here. That's what God has done. What is God doing today? It's called justifying grace. That's prevenient grace. God has moved towards you even before you didn't know. God has prepared the world for you even before you knew who God was. If you want to be Methodist about it, it's called prevenient grace. What is God doing today? Justifying grace. There's a reason why you are here today. There's a reason why God called you to be in the sanctuary today. There's a reason why God called you to open your laptop and watch us on Facebook today. The presence of Christ right here, right now. And then what does God promise to do tomorrow? God does not leave us orphaned. God will walk with us. That's called sanctifying grace. That's when we say, remember your baptism and be thankful. Remember your baptism. It's like that, it's like that, that constant drip, drip, drip. I pray that every time you hear a drop of water, whether you're drawing a bath or making tea or it's raining outside, that you remember the preciousness of water. And that water is ancient. But it's both humbling and disgusting to realize that at some point you have consumed water that has passed through a dinosaur at some point. Water is ancient. This, we, this is the only amount of water we get, what we have right now. It's ancient, it's powerful, it keeps us alive. That's, that's who God is. Drip, drip. Water has a particular sound, doesn't it? Did you know that cold water and hot water sound different? I encourage you to do this when you get home. If, you, if you've not done this and if you're not familiar with this, take cold water and like get a kettle, make some hot water right? And then pour them out separately and listen to the sound. Hot water sounds different than does cold water. It's because the air molecules in the water have been aggravated and there's more space. It's a deeper sound. It's a deeper tenor, hot water, because the air has been agitated and aggravated. That's, the, that's what happens on the day of baptism is that it's by water and the spirit. By water, but the water has been agitated and aggravated by the spirit of God. And what do we hear in that water? You are my child with whom I am well pleased. It is intimate. It is precious. It is quiet. And it is for you. You are unique, you are on purpose, 
you are lovely. You are my child with whom I... Understand, this voice from heaven, it didn't say, I love you because of the ministry. Jesus hadn't started his ministry yet. I am well pleased with you. It's not I am well pleased in the work that you produce. I am well pleased in the status that you've created for yourself. I am well pleased with the stuff that you've surrounded yourself with. I am pleased with you. Disney's Encanto. Have you seen Encanto yet? You should. You should do Robin, you should go right now when you get home and turn on Disney Plus and watch Encanto. If you haven't done it, you should do it. I've seen it twice. Well, I've seen it like one and a half times because the first time I fell asleep. Uh, and then like my whole family's like singing all the songs and like doing all the things. Like, what is that from? It's like, it's from Encanto. I'm like, oh yeah. So I had to watch it again. I'm not going to give the ending of the way. I'm not going to give the ending of the, the movie away. But just a couple things to hold on to. Number one is gifts are received by a river. Just, just hold on to that. And when you get to the end of the story, just hold on to, I'm not thankful for your, what you produce. I'm, I'm not well pleased with where you came from. I'm not well pleased with what you've surrounded yourself with. I am pleased with you. You are enough. It's not the gifts you produce. It's recognizing that you are the gift. It'd be one thing if that voice from heaven said, hey, this is my son. Everybody listen to him. This is going to be big. It's going to be huge. He's going to develop a digital currency for the church. It's going to change everything. No, it was a voice just for Jesus. I am pleased with you. May we all hear that every time we hear a drop of water or a rain cloud or a tea kettle. Know that you are a gift. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.